You're listening to the Biz Women Rock podcast. Here's a little preview of what's coming up. You know, especially if you come from a corporate, you put in time, you get paid. And that's not exactly how it works when you're an entrepreneur. You put in time and more time and more time before you begin to get paid. (laughs) Ain't that the truth? What's going on? Welcome to the Biz Women Rock podcast. I'm your host, Katie Kremitzos, and I am so honored that you're here spending your time educating yourself via the stories that some of the most amazing businesswomen are telling about their very real business journeys. I'm talking how they've started their companies, how they've grown their companies, how they are continuing to evolve with their companies, and underlying it all, how they themselves are evolving as a person. And this means the good, the bad, and the ugly as far as business goes. So thank you for being here. If you want to know more about the upcoming episodes, as well as how you can be part of the entire Biz Women Rock community, which is super awesome, uh, just go to bizwomenrock.com and opt in there. So we're officially in the second month of 2016, and I would love to know, how are you coming along on your goals? I know, you know, four to six weeks ago, we were all either creating or sort of putting the final dots on our big 2016 goals and what we wanted to make happen this year, not only for our businesses, but for ourselves, for our personal lives, for just our our entire life. And I don't know about you, but four weeks later, life looks very different than what it did at the beginning of the year. Um, And it just is such a great reminder that this thing that we call life, this thing that we call goals, the this thing that we call our business is just a constant evolving, manifesting thing. And the best that we can do is make sure that we keep our goals in front of us so that we can keep on being reminded on what they are and why they're important to us as we continue to go along in our daily lives. Because, you know, like, let's be honest, daily life of business, just like daily life of motherhood or daily life of a relationship or daily life of health, whatever it is, can get muddled up so fast. Um, And so it's very, very important to keep your goals visible and to be able to remind yourself on a regular basis why you are striving for these things in your life. So as we enter the second month of the year, I'm sending you a ton of love and a ton of focus uh, so that you can be reminded to get yourself back on track. You can be reminded to uh, make any adjustments that you need to so that you can make 2016 an amazing, amazing year. All right, the final thing that I want to share with you before we get into today's interview is that February 25th, 26th, and 27th is going to be dun-dun-dun PodFest 2016. Yeah, I've been practicing that little dun-dun-dun with my daughter like all day every day. (laughs) As a side note, I really recognize the fact that my job as a mom is just to make her laugh and be as goofy as possible. Uh, yeah, so I'm finding out I'm pretty dang goofy. It's hilarious. And I have no humili- hum- humility. I, yeah, I, I'm not humiliated by the uh, amazing faces that I can make, <laughs> the noises that come out of me, <laughs> because it, it, it's all worth it when she starts um, like trying to imitate me like blowing her a raspberry. You know what I mean? It's really cute. Anyway, total side note, PodFest 2016. I'm so excited for this event. 
Oh my gosh. Okay. So I obviously love podcasting. I'm a big believer in it. Whether you are just a podcast listener or you have a podcast of your own or you're thinking about starting a podcast, you definitely want to make sure that you are in attendance at PodFest. The reason is, is because A, the education that is going to be there is extremely focused on um, all sorts of different aspects of podcasting. However, the most important part of it is that it is, it is actionable, meaning you can take that information, turn around, and do something with it right away. Such amazing educators. The second reason is because we have educators coming in from all over the nation who are going to be talking about their area of expertise or their uh, history with podcasting. We have Danny Pena with Gamertag Radio who has been in the industry for a long time. We have Dave Jackson, who's like the godfather of podcasting coming in. Uh, We have Kate Erickson with uh, Entrepreneur on Fire and Kate's Take, who's actually Skyping in to be able to share how they've built an entire empire just based off of their podcast. Uh, We have such an amazing lineup. Please go to podfest.us to check out exactly who is speaking, um, and you can get an idea of the entire agenda definitely worthwhile coming out. The third reason you need to be there is because some of the best magic happens as soon as the education stops and all of the mingling starts to happen. And we've got some really cool ways that we're really encouraging and engineering attendees to be able to uh, to connect and collaborate with one another. So you're going to be able to meet great, great people podcasters and thinking about podcasting podcasters alike, you're going to be able to hear amazing speakers and get education that is completely actionable. Um, Sounds like three great reasons to come. I think you should be there. Oh yeah. And the fourth bonus reason is that it's in Tampa in February. I mean, come on, who doesn't want to be here in February? (laughs) So go to podfest.us and I will see you on February 25th. Now let's get on with the show. Tracy Moore is on the show today, and uh, I'm going to go into exactly why I'm so excited for you to be able to hear this conversation. But first, a very brief description of her business. So she currently is um, the only license holder uh, for the company Marketing Eye in the United States. And Marketing Eye is a full-service marketing company. So they offer website, uh, the graphics, uh, social media marketing, traditional marketing, SEO, I mean, everything. They do everything under the sun if you need marketing services. Now, she has had this license for um, uh, since January of 2015. Um, before she did that, she was a franchisee of a company called Young Rembrandt's which was basically like awesome art, uh, after school art and creative activities and stuff like that for kids. Super amazing. And she basically took her territory that she bought into that was not doing so well, that kind of had like five major, major accounts, and she brought it up to having 90, that's nine zero accounts. So over the course of these five, six years of her building this franchise, she just learned so many great lessons and really was able to build a phenomenal business. And now she's doing that for Marketing Eye. Okay, the major, major awesome points that you're going to get in this discussion is number one, um, how she did that, how she actually built out her franchise and did it so well. And in such a short period of time, actually, you know, five five years is a short period of time to be able to build that kind of a clientele list. It's pretty awesome. Um 
And she really goes into pretty deeply how to really do the research and discover what franchise is best for you. So she talks about what elements she went through to really do her due diligence, to do the research she needed to do in order to find out what franchise would be best for her. And when she found this one, really uh, diving deeper into what questions to ask, how she actually you know, d- did the research she needed to do to make sure it was the right one for her. Um, we definitely talk about franchising versus licensing. The uh, marketing eye, she is a licensee of it. We talk about the two differences between those two models. And then at the very end, we go into how she uses LinkedIn to build her outbound uh, clientele list. We talk about the difference between inbound clients and outbound clients and kind of what you're doing for marketing for each of those, and then how she's leveraging LinkedIn to do that. And she actually goes step by step as to you know how she actually starts those relationships, those connections, and how she continues them, what she does. Very, very fascinating. Some really, really great tips in there. All right. So get your hats ready because this is a really... Awesome. If you you definitely need to take notes. So if you're driving or running, I would suggest not doing that. But if you happen to be around your computer or even can take notes in your phone, this is a really good conversation to do that for because she gives some really good takeaways that are very practical. So, all right, let's get going with Tracy. Tracy, what's going on, girl? Thank you so much for being on the Biz Women Rock podcast. Appreciate you being here. Great. I'm super excited to talk to you today. Good. Um, So I'm very excited to dive right into your story. Um, You have a pretty amazing and very varied entrepreneurial story um, with some cool little twists and turns in it. Um, And I want to start out, one of the major kind of foundational business things that I found so interesting about you was the experience that you had um, really building up a franchise called the Young Rembrandts. Um, but before we get into exactly what that was, how did you like? How did you become an entrepreneur in the first place? Was that your first role at it? Um, not really. I had kind of dipped my toe into um, entrepreneurship. I had been a realtor for a year. Um, I always wanted to run my own business. I spent most of my time in corporate. I spent about 15 years in corporate. But um, right after my son was born, I decided I'd go into real estate. And, you know, I gave it one year. And then now I realize that's really never enough when you're starting a business. You should give it a little bit more. And then I decided to go back into corporate. And, um, And then after being there for four years, I decided... No, I need to give this a try again, um, and I'll do something different. And because I had small children, um, and um, I was really creative, I decided, what if I look into a business that fits my skill and my lifestyle? Gotcha. And is that so? How exactly did you come across Young Rembrandts? Well, I'd originally found them for my son who had some delayed fine motor control skills issues. So I thought, you know, um, sitting doing the alphabet all the time is not very much fun, but how about drawing? And so I had looked into the program for him. And then when I decided I was going to move out of corporate and I was just going to make a complete change. I decided I was either going to go back and get my PhD and teach college, or I was going to own my own business. Um, I started looking at different options, and I found Young Rembrandt's. And what was interesting to me is it was a home-based business. So mm-hmm. that worked out really well because I had a three and a six-year-old at the time. So it just add, added a little bit more flexibility into my schedule, something I very much needed. Um, 
And it was based on creativity and working with children. And I thought, you know, this would be perfect for me. And I love to draw. My mom is an artist. Um, I have a business background, but art has always been in my heart. So I was really excited um, to find a business that I thought personally fit me really well. And then once I, you know, when you buy into a business, you have to do your own discovery. You do basically, you, you go up, you interview with the business people. They, you know, the franchisors or meets you you meet them and then you decide if this is a good fit and I was really impressed with the franchisor and I thought that um, it would be the right thing and so um, I just jumped in (laughs) so uh, what's really interesting to me about that is I I recently actually just talked to a couple folks who like want to go in business and they're kind of searching out franchises right like that's sort of like Mm -hmm. their mo okay I know I need to do all this research on different franchises and find out which one sort of fits me which is what you're talking about did you research any other franchises or were you just so compelled with this one that you really decided to dive in to that and, and kind of do your due diligence just for in that particular business and see if it really made sense for you? You know, I did a little bit online um, of different franchises, but once I had the conversation with them, I thought, you know, I think this is the one. I ended up also, you can interview current franchisees. So I called 15 different people. Oh, wow. Good um, idea. And it was really helpful because I got pretty much from one end to the other of what people think. And most franchisees, I mean, they they benefit none from having a, a bad franchisee join, right? Because, right. you know, so you know, everybody wants to have, keep the brand good and the reputation. So people are very honest um, about the franchise, about what it takes. And I found that to be very helpful because then I already knew um, what pitfalls might uh, might be in front of me. Hmm. What else, like what other kind of research did you do just to make sure, like, and I'm asking this because if there's somebody's, if there's somebody listening who's particularly interested in X franchise or just opening a franchise and they're kind of out there doing research, what are, what were some of the major things that you think that you did right in the research that you were really looking for that allowed you to say, yes, this is the one I want? Well, I also knew that there was a market that existed. I mean, some of our franchisees have purchased and then they don't know if a market exists. Um, We had other programs similar. So we're an after-school art enrichment program, but I already knew that in the area they had chess and they had science and um, they had drama. And so there were other programs similar. So I knew that at least... Um, they're, they would be receptive. Um, I also spoke a lot to a neighboring franchisee and how she had done the business and, um, what, you know, what had, you know, she encountered. I also sit down after, you know, doing a, a, um, intent to buy, you know, an LOI, um, With her, I looked at her numbers to see what those would be and then determined how long it would take before I made any money. And I always talk to to people who are looking at going into a business. I think this is my biggest pitfall with real estate is I did not have any cash to fuel the business. So even if you have money to buy a franchise or buy into a business, you also have to take into account that you're not going to be paying yourself for a while. So you have to have some sort of income that you can make it. And then every once in a while, you're going to have to you know, inject money into the business, especially when you have employees, because you always have to make sure you pay your employees. Yeah. <laughs> or you won't have any. <laughs> 
So you really had to do – you did kind of this whole kind of mathematical plan just to make sure like, okay, well, how many how many months, how many years, how often – like when am I actually going to break even with this? When am I going to start profiting? When am I going to be able to pay myself? And you were really clear about that before you went in? Yes, yes. And I, I mean, I think that's usually also one of the very first things that I talk to people about because I notice that it's sort of the make or break of whether or not somebody decides to buy a franchise when I tell them how long they have to go without making money. Um, and what? then how much t- how much time you have to put in because, right. you know, especially if you come from a corporate, you put in time, you get paid. And that's not exactly how it works when you're an entrepreneur. You put in time and more time and more time before <laughs> you begin to get paid. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? How long did it take? Like, I guess maybe just in franchises in general, if you have become, you know, somebody who's a little bit educated about all different types of franchises, like what's the average amount of time that it would take for someone to expect, okay, now I'm making my money back? Well, I would say I didn't start paying myself um, with my franchise business. I think I paid myself $1,000 the first year. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really nothing. And, and, you know, and I had put fueled money into it because I had to, had to do some traveling for training and things like that. Um, you know, I, it takes several years right. to, to make your money back. And it took me, I believe, four years before I started replacing my corporate salary. And then after five and six years, I had... Um, went above where I thought where I my corporate salary was. Gotcha. Now I really want to focus in on the trajectory in which you took the business because I think that's very very um, very important to be able to highlight and very super cool. So the story is is that you bought into this franchise. You you did not establish the franchise. You're not the franchisor, but you bought into the franchise and you bought a franchise that was sort of flailing at the time. It wasn't really doing so hot. And you were able to take that and build that whole territory and expand that whole territory to be, I think I read somewhere, like 90 different locations or 90 different um, territories. Is that correct? Yeah. So I had 90 different accounts. Oh, wow. Um, and I bought into a territory that, that had about five. Oh, wow. Um, and, you know, there was, it just had not been run very well. I mean, the person, the original owner had done okay. They sold it to someone who was actually an artist or an art business. But that's what I hire our artists. What I do is run the business. Exactly. <laughs> so you have to understand when you, when you own a business, you, I mean, yes, I can do the art. Yes, I can teach children. But at the end of the day, the most important thing is for me to be able to be able to run a business. I came from a marketing and sales support background. So that ended up being a huge part of my role. And, you know, every entrepreneur, they, a lot of times people say, I hate sales. And, you know, if you're an entrepreneur, you better embrace it because it's part of your job. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and if you can't embrace it, then you need to make sure that you have someone on hand who can. And, um, and that's what I did is when I stepped in, I took the, I took the business just like a corporate role. And I said, I have to go out there and I have to sell. I mentally do it that way. Um, because otherwise I get a little emotionally attached. And so when people say no, I feel like they personally said no. And then I think, you know, all the years I did corporate when somebody would say no, I didn't take it personal. I mean, it was just my job and it just go on to the next person. Hmm. Um, 
and also, you know, I also looked at as percentage point, like how many people do you have to touch before you get a yes? And realize that if you touch two people and they both say no, well, you just haven't touched enough. Right, right. right. So you keep going until you get the get the yes. Um, and I was pretty persistent, but, and I did a lot of investigation. I mean, a lot of times all you have to do is ask people if they aren't the right person, then you find out who is the right person. I mean, if you're kind and polite to people, I usually find that they're kind and polite back to you. So, yeah. Yeah, that's that's amazing how often that happens. If somebody's turning down the business that you're offering or the product or service that you're offering, if you just say, hey, look, I appreciate your time. Is there anyone that you know that this would be a value for? That 90% of the time, they are more than willing to give you names of people or at least suggestions of other you know pockets that you might go into. They're very, very giving. Exactly. And then when you do get a yes and somebody's happy with your services, you do the same thing. You say, you know, would you mind being a referral for me or do you mind if I have someone else give you a call? And I did a lot of networking um, that way. So once I got um, fine arts department or, you know, a district to say yes, I would ask if it would be okay if another district called them and um, talked to them about the services that we provide. Oh, that's a good idea. Really good idea. So so you did this and just continued to grow it and grow it and grow it for five, six years. And then you had a pretty significant transition into a completely different business. Talk about that. What what precipitated that transition? Right. So I always knew that I would probably sell Young Rembrandts. My goal was to grow the business and to sell it. Um, not everybody wants to do that. I mean, some people want a business that they can have you know, forever. Um, but not me. <laughs> I guess I get a little bored or I decide that I need a new challenge. So I, um, my background, corporate background was in marketing and I decided I was going to open a full service um, marketing firm. And I was going to focus on small and medium sized businesses. And my husband had said for a long time, you need to do this. This would be perfect for you because I was already giving a lot of advice on mm-hmm. marketing and sales to other franchisees and other small businesses in my area. I was doing it all for free. So what I did is um, I went online and I was looking for basically a format that I liked. I thought, I'll, I'll look at other businesses. I'll see if somebody wants to partner with me. And in my research, I came across a company called Marketing Eye out of Australia that also has um, their headquarters, U.S. headquarters are in Atlanta, and they were looking for a licensee. So I gave them a call. We did a couple of interviews, talked to them. I looked at their model, and I said, I think I would be a good licensee. And they said, well, we don't have any yet, so you would be number one. Wow. (laughs) I'm like, okay, I'm ready to go. And at that point, my business, I had just put my business up for sale. And I had a prospective buyer. So I thought it would all go so smooth um, where at the end of you know 2014, I would sell one business and I would buy the other. And when we got to closing, the person who was going to buy decided that they didn't want to make the investment. Oh, no. <laughs> and so it was, you know, that, that had to not breath. be pretty. <laughs> it was um, it was really stressful. And it has been. I mean, because then I'm running two businesses and, you know, Young Rembrandt is my baby. I built it. I love it. Um, 
it'll be hard to give up to someone else because I'm invested in it, into the schools, my teachers who have been with me for years, the students I teach, I'd love to see them grow and what they do. But I also have another business that I put my heart and soul into and I need it to grow. And so it also needs my attention. So we're hoping that um, the growth of the marketing business will take off this fall as the other business sells. So gotcha. Man, <laughs> holy cow. Yeah, that's a lot. So you you've thought like, oh, what a nice easy jump from this into this. And then all of a sudden you have, you know, one foot on each side of that particular fence. Good Lord. Um so a, a couple of quick questions because um, the idea of licensing, at least in my mind, is similar but yet very distinct than franchising. But what it really means is that you you are not an employee of Marketing Eye. You, you are still running your own show. Can you talk a little bit about the structure of the licensing and how that really works versus how, a, you know, what we know is like a typical franchise to work? Right. So with the franchise, and, and there's some differences as well, because with Young Rembrandt, they had been franchising for, I think, like six years, six to seven years when I purchased. So, you know, now it's been 12 years. Um, the business is very, 12 to 13 years is how long they've been franchising now. And they have a very nice system. Um, great tra- training modules. They have them online. They have them, you know, physical. They um, have some new systems. So it's very structured. I mean, you get a mentor. You get someone who you talk to at the home office all the time. Um, so, and, but you have a very distinct territory. And, um you know, you really should not go outside of that territory. So you stay within that, and that's kind of your confines. Um, with a licensee, you don't have that. Obviously, if, you know, I found somebody in Atlanta and they came to me cold, it would probably be, you know, appropriate for me to hand that over to the Atlanta office if they wanted it. I mean, you know, you, you're still kind and courteous to the others in the business, but I could go and have a client in California or, you know, New Jersey. So I'm not, um, while I do a lot of business in like the Texas, Oklahoma area, um, I don't have to stay in that area. Hmm. Um, now would that be true? Would that be true too? If there were a hundred licensees all over the U S instead of one? It would, but I think it would become a little bit different into that you wouldn't want to be going and poaching in somebody else's area. Gotcha. So it's a little it's a little more informal as far as sort of the boundaries that you have. Exactly. Okay. Got and it. so and you know, like our Atlanta office right now they have a little bit more business and then they can handle so I might take over some of the things that are in Atlanta. Got it. Um, that might be more fitting with my skills than the skill set of the people that are there. Um, we just kind of can work that out. So, uh, but you, you know, you always want to work in cooperation. I still, you know, meet with the Atlanta um, team. I talk to them at least once a week. So, and the great thing about um, technology is, I mean, you can Skype. It's just almost like you're having a conference call with somebody there. <laughs> I know. It's so nice. <laughs> so, it works out really well. It doesn't feel like everybody's far away. And then, you know, I can also talk to Australia. I just do that at the end of my day um, and the beginning of theirs. So that works really well. And, but since I was the first licensee, some of the structure we have to work out together. Gotcha. So, um, 
but, you know, they've done some things for me that they probably won't do in the future if they had, you know, 50 licensees. Right. But I mean, the, the, uh, my understanding has always been one of the major significance, uh, significant differences between kind of being a licensee and being a franchise owner is that as a, as a licensee, you're really buying into the system, but then you get to use the system in whatever way is most appropriate for you, right? Or you're sort of buying into like, um, okay, this company X has created all of these standardized documents, all these standardized processes, um, but I don't have to use them. Like a franchise to me was always like, I have to use them within the franchise model and within the franchise Mm -hmm. company as, you know, at large versus as a licensee, okay, they're giving me all these tools, like almost like a, you know, like a, here's like a file of all the stuff that you need. Now go off and do whatever you need to with it. Is it, is that, is that right assessment? It definitely, there's a lot more um, flexibility with the license. Got it. Um, You know, I do a lot of times talk to them and say, okay, have you encountered this in if you have, what's how did you handle that situation? Um, just because you can tap into their their knowledge, uh, but th- but it is it's, there's a lot more flexibility. I basically bought an operations plan. Yep. I bought you know great marketing, a great name, um, and I also utilize the marketing eye resources. So I use their graphic designer. I use their um, developers, the ones that can, these are people who do things that I, I just can't do outside. But if you want a full service marketing firm, you need to have it. Right. So they are employees of marketing eye, but I pay them gotcha. so for their time. And that works out really well. Um, and the fact that then I don't have to go out and find my own graphic designer at some point when I build the business, I will bring somebody in house to do that for me. And probably at that point, Atlanta will be to the point that they can keep a graphic designer completely at capacity. Gotcha. So, um, so right now you have a built in bullpen of talent basically that you don't have to go out and search for. Exactly. And I don't have to train them and they already know basically, you know, the marketing eye model. So that helps shorten that um, learning curve, which is really important when you're starting a business. So what what are you doing now? Um, and just to give people kind of a timestamp. So January 2015 is when you officially began as a licensee of marketing eye and are building out this company. At the moment we're talking, it's July of 20, 2015. At the moment this goes live, it might be a little later than that. But um, so at, at the moment that we're talking, you're seven months into this. What sorts of things are you doing to build your business, to really, um, you know, take that sell, sell, sell mentality that you had with your franchise and bring it into here? What what sorts of things are working for you to build your pipeline, to attract clients, to make sure you're being seen as something unique in the marketplace? So um, doing some PR, um, doing a lot of social media. So you need to build that social media out. Twitter, um, LinkedIn, I do tie into our U.S. Um, model that we already have, but I'm also building out my own personal. And then uh, I built out a website. I did that this summer. So there is a Marketing Night U.S. site. A lot of that all goes to Atlanta. So now there is a MarketingNightDallas.com site. Gotcha. Um, in order to search engine optimize that, you have to write all the content 
different than what it is for um, a, another site. So for example, the US site, it has to have different content, even though what we deliver is the same, you need to use different words, it's kind of a trick of um, Google Analytics. Mm -hmm. And we're in the process of search engine optimizing that. So I'm doing a lot of blogs, um, you know, once again, you know, tweets, building up that social media, what I'm trying to do in that respect is that by fall, hopefully I will be optimized. And so when someone is looking for marketing services, they will contact me. So you're trying to do the inbound. From the outbound side, I'm attending networking events um, and then also doing a lot on LinkedIn. I've tried doing a couple of um, electronic direct mail but they have not been as successful as me just connecting with people on LinkedIn and connecting with people um, at networking events. But the optimal is when people come to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. Talk a little bit about LinkedIn for a second because I'm always intrigued on how people really use it. I'm very familiar with Facebook strategies, Twitter strategies, but um, LinkedIn has always been a little bit of a mystery to me as far as like how people are really using it effectively. Um, talk a little bit about maybe a few things that work for you and how it actually helps you put somebody into your pipeline and actually end up closing business on LinkedIn. So I purchased a little bit higher. I think I'm in like recruiter light. Mm -hmm. So you can pay and have more access to information on LinkedIn. So I ended up doing that. Um, I think the very, I should say, the very first thing that I did is basically optimize my site. So there's all these words that you can use so that when people are searching for you, they can find you. So um, you add those in to your description. You also, this seems like a silly thing that gets overlooked all the time, but you should have a decent photo that looks professional, mm -hmm. not like the same one you would put on Facebook. <laughs> so no selfies <laughs> on LinkedIn is really what no, it, it no selfies be. on LinkedIn because you know I'm trying to do B two B, so you right. want to look professional. And then um, I really built that out with a lot of information, um, and I'll continue. I continue to update that, but after. I optimized it and then I purchased the recruiter light I can go in there and I can find um, it will help me search for people who fit the criteria that I'm looking for so I figure out what size business I'm looking for maybe what industry um, how long they've been in business and then their title and then, then that information comes up and then I'll go and try to connect with them um, sometimes you know, and I connect with people for different reasons. Sometimes I connect with them to, to network. Sometimes I connect with them because I see what they're doing and it's something that I want to emulate and I, I want to learn from. And then sometimes I do it because I think that they would be a really good client. Um, the difference is that when you are doing that kind of research or that kind of doing the outbound marketing, your sales um, time is going to be lengthened. Right. So because you think about it, people haven't really, they may have thought about, oh, yeah, you know what, I probably should have marketing for my business. But they aren't down to the point where I need to go find someone. Right, right. Like um, the inbound, the inbounds, they're ready to go. They just they're doing the research, they're, they're about to make a decision. Exactly. So I closed an inbound sale in five days in the last week. Okay. I have in my pipeline outbound people <laughs> who I've connected with who have told me that they're interested. I mean, and they want to, you know, buy services from us and we're still dragging out six weeks later. So wow. 
Um, that's why it's really important for you to have someone who can help you on that inbound side. That's really where the key to uh, marketing for your business would be. But you can't, you know, obviously let go of the outbound side. And sometimes you got to do the outbound side because the inbound side isn't optimized. Hmm. Um, go a little deeper with me on what you do when you okay so you say okay these are the types of people I want to connect with or here's the reasons why you're kind of these three pockets of reasons why I'm connecting with people and let's pretend we go into the pocket of I want to connect with this person because I think they'd be a great client what what do you do like what's that okay I connect with you but what how do you build up that relationship how do you what what real steps do you have to get them from I'm about to send them a message and I hope we connect to now they're a client well, so sometimes what I do is I just really tell them, you know, I I usually go out and I'll take a look at their website as well. So um, since we sell marketing services, that makes sense. So I go out and I look at their LinkedIn profile. I look at their website. Sometimes I'll also check and see what they have for a social media presence. And then I will reach out to them and say, I've looked at your marketing. It looks like you could need use some support, let me explain what our business does and how we can help you. Um, and, you know, and I get people who are like, oh, yeah, I knew that. Can you come and talk to me about that? So, or I'll just talk to them on the phone. Mm-hmm. Um, I find that a lot of times they're, they're in that stage of deciding whether or not they need that service. So you just have to listen and then I give them feedback on here are some things that would be helpful. Here's what we do, but here are some some gaps that I see in your current marketing, and here's how I think that would make a difference. Um, Sometimes if we move to the next step, I might send them examples of people who are doing it well so that they can see or what that would look like for them, Um, or I'll send them kind of some statistics. Uh, last week, I did several blogs that I had clients who I thought would be interested in. So at the end of the week, I said, you know, you might want to take a look at a couple of blogs I wrote. Um, there's a couple of tips in there that I think would be helpful. So then I just sort of stay in touch with them as an advisor until they can move to that decision where they're like, okay, can you come in and talk to me about what this would look for my business? Got it. Um, but you just, it's it really ends up being, staying in touch. Sometimes people don't want to spend the money yet. So I just still keep them, um, you know, in my list where I send them personal messages when I see something that is relevant to them. So sometimes it's not even a blog that I wrote. Maybe it's something that came out in the news and made me think of them. And I'll, I'll send it to them and say, did you see this? Is this helpful? What I have found that my clients really like in the initial part of doing business with me is that if I can provide them something about their competition, about their market, or even about their marketing that they didn't already know, that they're like, thank you, that is so helpful to my business. Hmm. And then that distinguishes you most definitely than any other you know, marketing person. Right. So I want to be their partner. I don't want to be this external person where you just shoot me information and then I'll go ahead and do something with it. I mean, I really want to be able to say, you know, you have, here's something that you may have not noticed about your business because they're so focused on that another piece. And here's what I think that you should do. Or, you know, did you know that your competition just sold to a very large company? Let me go ahead and give you all the details about that large company so that you will know how that may impact your Hmm. industry. I like that. I really like the personal. I've had a couple of friends 
um, who I really respect, who's, uh, and I, I don't want to, I don't know if they're trying to get my business or not. I actually haven't even thought of it that way, but they will like shoot me little personal messages that say, Hey Katie, you know, like I, um, I know this is what you're doing with Biz Women Rock. I saw this article, you know, made me think of you and it might be relevant for your business. And I got to tell you, like, it sounds from the outside like it might be a little, like, salesy pushy, but it it is, it's, it's never taken that way by me. It's always like, wow, thank you so much. I can't believe you were thinking of me. I can't believe you took the time to actually think of me because it's obviously not a mass email. It's obviously not a mass message. It's very specific to me. And it always makes me feel really, really special. And I just think that 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 does not, that absolutely has an impact, especially with people who you really want to be able to have as clients. So that that one-on-one, I took extra time to look at this for you and thought of you on top of that, that makes a huge difference. Yeah, I think so. And even when you're using LinkedIn, I mean, there's obviously paragraphs that I just use for everyone that just kind of describe my business. But Mm -hmm. if I see that they went to the same college that I went to, or we live in the same area, or whatever I found on LinkedIn that I can connect with them, Mm -hmm. you know, pretty much if I get an email that looks like it's been sent to 100 other people (laughs) from someone on LinkedIn, I immediately delete it. I think, oh my gosh, this is so spammy. But if I get something, even if it's not a service that I want, but it comes from someone that says, you know, hey, can you do this for me? Or I, you know, read your profile and then they actually say something about that they read my profile. Mm -hmm. You know, that makes a huge difference. And and also, I do read people's profiles and I look online and find out. So when I have a conversation with someone, I actually know something about their business. Right. And, um, you know, you don't want to just go in cold and, you know, with you, when someone's sending you those emails, even if you were not going to buy their services, if you knew somebody who needed those services, you would definitely probably recommend that person. Absolutely, because it keeps so. them top of mind. And now all of a sudden they did something special and unique for me. And of course it keeps them top of mind. So I love that. Um, so I want to I want to come to a conclusion here by asking a couple of other questions about, uh, I mean, you in the entrepreneurial experiences that you've had so far, You've really been in the startup phases um, for these businesses, which tends to be very, very tough times. So how do you deal with really low moments um, all these years? Like how have you really dealt with them in a way that's productive and kind of gets you out of whatever low moment you're experiencing? So you definitely have to have like a build-up crew <laughs> who can build you up because there are really low moments. I mean, I have what I call like five-minute breakdowns where I just leave and I'm like, oh my gosh, I just can't do this. And then I go back. But I have a very, my husband is super solid. Um, he's complete opposite personality is of me. I'm kind of all over the map and always trying to do something new. And um, he's pretty steady. So that's helpful. Um, you know, I call my parents, I call my mom sometimes and she'll go back to, oh yeah, no, you've been doing these kind of entrepreneurial things since you were a kid. (laughs) So, and remember they, how they always work out, they work out fine. And you remember how you always think they're not going to, at some point, you're going to be okay. (laughs) So I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. And then I have friends who, you know, also are entrepreneurs 
when you're an entrepreneur, sometimes you can feel like you're out on an island mm-hmm. by yourself because there aren't, there isn't anybody else you feel like that's like, oh my gosh, why am I doing this all by myself? So, you know, you build up people. I have an assistant who's really terrific um, and is helpful and basically is patient when I have my ups and downs. And then, um, you know, I have friends that I talk to who are like, no, no, this is exactly how it goes. Remember, this is how it goes. And, you know, I help them on the other side, right, when they have their low motor moments. And I'm like, no, no, remember, this is how it goes. So I think that you have to have those people that you can talk to and kind of bring you back to reality. Um, because, you know, it, it, it is, it's difficult to build a business. But I believe that there's people who either can, you know, run a business, or there's people who build businesses. And I kind of feel like I'm good at the building so um i always feel like i'm better at the building after a couple of years when it's going really great though (laughs) right (laughs) i love that well tracy i really want to thank you so much for being here and for sharing your story and for going into so much depth about a lot of these strategies that you've used over all the years i think it's very very helpful so thank you so much for being here yeah thank you i love talking to you today katie Don't forget to go to bizwomenrock.com and you can find out more specifically about Tracy as well as find a a ton of other resources there available for you, bizwomenrock.com. Okay, so uh, I think the thing that I loved the most about that whole conversation was how willing she was and how quick she was to be able to build relationships with people on LinkedIn and how quick she was to be able and how she actually continued that conversation if they were in the bucket of great potential clients, then she was not shy about really establishing, hey, I'm interested in working with you. Here's how I think I could help you and continuing that conversation and having it work very successfully for her. I think we shy away from sales a lot because we don't want to be pushy. And, um, and you know, I just, I, I really respect the way that she leverages LinkedIn in that way and actually really goes for it and, um, and just continues that conversation. So, Absolutely love that. Thought there were so many great takeaways in this conversation, very practical ones about running your business. All right. I hope you have an amazing day. If you really love this uh, interview, make sure you tell somebody else about it. That's the way that we just keep on growing our awesome little Biz Women Rock community. So I'll see you on the next show. Okay. Bye. Bye.